Orange Curtain, a look at 80s music from Orange County, California. Music that came from here and music that came to here. Join me, your host, Doug Crandall, every Thursday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Welcome to another night of Behind the Orange Curtain. Music that came from here to influence the rest of the world, and music that made it here from around the world to influence those of us who lived here during the 80s. It is said that in every musical generation, something new crawls out of the American South, but few would have expected anything earth-shaking from Athens, a small city in Georgia that calls itself the Classic City. American college towns tend to be consumers rather than creators of musical trends. Not so in Athens, where one-third of the population are students at the University of Georgia. In 1975, a group of friends got together to play a poetry reading as Night Soil. In 1976, over dinner at a Chinese restaurant, the same group of friends decide to form an as-yet-unnamed band. There are those that claim that Athens' transformation from sleepy, hick college town to global recognized mecca of cool was not a slow evolution, but the result of a single cataclysmic Big Bang event. The date was February 14, 1977, the Valentine's night where five hipster kids dressed in funky thrift store drag and banging inexpertly on bongos and a toy piano played their first party under the name the B-52s. Their combination of retro kitsch style outrageous stage presence and danceable hooks is a wake-up call in those days when Southern Boogie was the dominant party music. The local buzz surrounding their performance draws the nucleus of the Athens music scene and it is generally agreed upon that it is the beginning of the phenomenon. A couple of years later, the Athens scene really took off partly inspired by the B-52's non-ironic emphasis on fun, but far more by New York and London's punk redefining of the possible. Athens' fertile party and club scene was based in houses around Baker Street and in clubs such as the Georgia Bar, the 40 Watt Club, and Tyrone's OC. Everywhere else in the country, students usually danced to records, but in Athens, it was a matter of pride to dance to young local bands. The music was strong on traditional instrumentation, guitars, bass, and drums, and of course, drunkenness. The B-52s were formed in 1976 when vocalist Cindy Wilson, guitarist Ricky Wilson, her elder brother, keyboardist and vocalist Kate Pearson, drummer and percussionist Keith Strickland, and cowbell player, poet, and lead vocalist Fred Schneider held an impromptu jam session after sharing a flaming volcano drink at a Chinese restaurant in Athens, Georgia. They later played that legendary first concert on Valentine's Day for their friends as the B-52s. The name, the B-52s, 
comes from a particular beehive hairdo resembling the nose cone of the aircraft, which Pearson and Cindy Wilson wore in performances throughout the band's first decade. Other names the band considered were the Tinatrons and Fellini's Children. Strickland suggested the name after a dream he had one night of a band performing in a hotel lounge. In the dream, he heard someone whisper in his ear that the name of the band was the B-52s. The band's quirky take on the new wave sound of the era was a combination of dance and surf music set apart from their contemporaries by the unusual guitar tunings used by Ricky Wilson and Thrift Store Chic. Tonight's show is a little different, where there's fewer bands and more discovery into their tracks. Tonight, we're going to play three tracks in a row by the B-52s. 52 Girls, Private Idaho, and Strobe Light. Here they are now, the B-52s.
something to tell you. I want to see you tonight. I want you to walk in the door. I want you to lay on the floor. Cause tonight's the night we make love under a sofa. your hair I feel electricity in the air I'm gonna kiss your eyes <gasps> then I'm gonna kiss your neck no. then I'm gonna kiss your tummy Ooh. then I'm gonna kiss your pineapple Tonight's the night for love under the lights. Next up is a band called Pylon. They were art students at the University of Georgia in Athens. It was a four-piece band. The guitarist and bass guitarist began playing music and attempting to form a band in 1978. Neither had any musical experience, and the bass guitar player recalled, a lot of us in art school were trying out different media with punk rock in its message, which is just to go in there and do it. You don't need training or authority or legitimacy just figure it out. They practiced in a studio downtown Athens that Lakowski rented from Curtis Crow, 
upstairs from the location on the grill in College Avenue. The room was lit by a single 40-watt light bulb, so the band referred to it as the 40-watt club. Crow would later become their drummer, having memorized all of their songs before asking to join the band. He described their music as never-ending series of hooks, no bridges or choruses, just hooks. After joining the band, they approached Vanessa Briscoe, now Vanessa Briscoe Hay, about joining the band on vocals, on the basis that the band were fans of her artwork. She was initially reluctant, as she also lacked musical experience. She auditioned for the band, and on February 14, 1979, she joined the lineup. Contrary to some accounts, Pylon did not name themselves after William Faulkner's 1935 novel of the same name. They later explained that they were instead inspired by traffic cones. According to Lakowski, we chose Pylon because it's severe, industrial, monolithic, and functional. Pylon played their first show at a party on March 9, 1979. Despite receiving a relatively cool reception at their first two concerts, members of the B-52s attended Pylon's third show, where they started dancing and running around like crazy, and everybody else did too according to Briscoe Hay. Fred Schneider and Kate Pearson of the B-52s were particularly supportive and helped promote Pylon's music in New York City once they moved there. Shortly thereafter, they landed a gig in New York City at Hurrah's, opening up for Gang of Four. Now let's listen to two tracks by Pylon. The first is called Stop It, and the second track is called Beep. Here is Pylon.
This next band is a critically adored post-punk new wave band from Athens, Georgia. It was formed in 1979 by two members of the short-lived band Tone Tones, guitarist and vocalist Vic Varney and drummer-vocalist David Gamble. Though they gigged extensively throughout New York City in a concentrated burst a few months shortly after forming, it was back in their hometown where they were picked up by London, England's Armageddon label, whose Peter Dyer was in town to sign Pylon, a like-minded band managed by Varney. From 1980 through 1982, the Method Actors recorded and released a number of well-received discs. Let's hear a couple now. The first song will be called Do the Method, and the second track is called Commotion. Here is The Method Actors.
Now we come to another band whose earliest material was purely instrumental, if for no other reason that they could not afford to buy a PA system. However, this approach set them clearly apart from the other acts in the crowded Athens scene and helped them win a record deal. In 1982, Love Tractor documented their formative approach, which touched heavily on fusion and even cocktail music. In 1983, the lead singer was taking the occasional stab at singing. When the band resurfaced in 1987 with This Ain't No Outer Spaceship, a full vocal exercise found the group tackling a cover of the Gap Band's Party Train. The first track is an instrumental off their first album called Highland Sweetheart. The second track, We'll Let the Boys Play Party Train by the Gap Band. Of course, their version here is Love Track.
This next band was started by Kit Schwartz and Paul Bouchard, who knew REM members Michael Stipe and Peter Buck. According to Buck, the two were supposed to play in a band with himself and Stipe, but never showed up to practice. The two bands, however, would cross paths again later that year when the side effects, along with Men in Trees, made their musical debut with R.E.M. at an Athens party. R.E.M. at that time was named Twisted Kites. The band would break up in 1982. Bouchard still lives in the Athens area today, giving tours of the city, as well as acting as a primary source of a variety of R.E.M. literature. Jimmy Ellison is laid to rest in Monroe, Georgia, in the Monroe Cemetery, after being diagnosed with a brain tumor in 1983. And Kit Schwartz is living in Thailand with his wife and family. Some of these bands, it was tough to locate some music. So I do have a live performance, so forgive the quality, of Through With You by The Side Effects. In January of 1980, Peter Buck met Michael Stipe in Wuxtree Records, the Athens record store where Buck worked. The pair discovered that they had shared similar tastes in music, particularly in punk rock and proto-punk. Artists like Patti Smith, Television, The Velvet Underground. Stipe said, it turns out 
that I was buying all the records that Buck was saving for himself. Through a mutual friend, Kathleen O'Brien, Stipe and Buck, then met, fellow University of Georgia students Bill Berry and Mike Mills, who had played music together since high school and lived together in Georgia. The quartet agreed to collaborate on several songs. Stipe later commented that there was never any grand plan behind any of it. Their still unnamed band spent a few months rehearsing in a deconsecrated Episcopal church in Athens and played its first show on April 5, 1980, supporting the side effects at O'Brien's birthday party held at the same church performing a mix of originals and 1960s and 1970s covers. After considering names such as Cans of Piss, Negro Eyes, and Twisted Kites, the band settled on R.E.M., which Stipe selected at random from the dictionary. During April of 1981, R.E.M. recorded its first single, Radio Free Europe, at producer Mitch Easter's drive-in studios in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Mitch Easter was also a singer-songwriter who would later lead the group Let's Active and have a hit song called Every Word Means No. Mitch remained their producer until 1984. Initially distributing Radio Free Europe as a four-track demo tape to clubs and record labels and magazines, the single was released in July of 1981 on the local independent record label Hibtone with an initial pressing of 1,000 copies. 600 of which were sent out as promotional copies. The single quickly sold out, and another 6,000 copies were pressed due to popular demand. Despite the original pressing leaving off the record label's contact details, and despite its limited pressing, the single garnered critical acclaim and was listed as one of the 10 best singles of the year by the New York Times. Let's listen to R.E.M., three tracks I've selected tonight, Driver 8, Pretty Persuasion, and So Central Rain. Here they are now. Drop it. 
Since we're here, let's keep it all in the family. This next band is a band called Oh, OK. The bassist was Linda Stipe and vocalist Linda Hopper, a pair of Athens, Georgia natives who formed a band in their teens. They only released a pair of short recordings while together, and only a minor ripple was felt during and after they were around. Even so, Their existence shouldn't be reduced to familiar links and involvements that followed long after their split. Their songs are simple, wiry, playful, and childish. They're occasionally creepy and, without fail, well-constructed. They're also easy to enjoy after several listens, raising them far above novelty value. Stipe had been playing bass but wasn't motivated to do anything of significance until her brother, Michael Stipe, 
needed an opening band for one of his temporary groups. She and a friend, Hopper, were able to piece together four songs together and perform them at the 40 Watt Club. They eventually added David Pierce as their drummer and recorded a four-song Wow mini-album. After its 1982 pressing, which included 500 hand-colored sleeves, the band continued to gig with the likes of supportive DB label mates, Pylon, and Mitch Easter's Let's Active. By the time they went to record 1983's Furthermore, What? at Easter's drive-in studio, they shed Pierce, who was replaced with David McNair on drums, and went through a keyboardist named Brian Cook. They gained and lost the guitarist David Thompson, but added the Nebraska transplant guitarist Matthew Sweet. The band broke up in 1984, but for you, here are two tracks. The first track is called Lilting, and the second track, Brother. And now let's listen to Oh, Okay. for a band that I really enjoyed in the 80s. They were an American alternative jangle pop group originating from Marietta, Georgia, a suburb of Atlanta, but they were often billed as being from Athens, Georgia in the early 1980s. 
The band formed in 1981 and disbanded in 1989. Murray Attaway and Jeff Walls became friends in high school. Both had joined a punk band called Strictly American. The two decided to form a new band under the name Emergency Broadcast System. At the time, Attaway was sharing a house with Rhett Crow, who was learning to play bass, with guidance from Walls. Crow joined the band and suggested that the name be changed to Guadalcanal Diary, referencing the 1943 war memoir of that same name. Why? We don't know. After the withdrawal of the drummer, originally recruited to play in the band's first show, Walls' friend John Poe, a bassist with a little drumming experience, soon became a member of the band. This lineup continued throughout the band's career. Guadalcanal Diary quickly attracted the attention with its frequent live shows in Athens and Atlanta. They were signed in 1983 by DB Records, a small independent label based out of the Wax and Facts record store in Atlanta. The same year, the band recorded and released a four-song EP called Watusi Rodeo, along with a low-budget music video for the title track. The band followed up the EP with its first full-length record, Walking in the Shadow of the Big Man, in 1984. The album was well-received by critics and enjoyed significant airplay on U.S. college radio stations, drawing comparisons to fellow Georgia band R.E.M. After touring heavily across the United States in support of their debut album, the band was signed to Elektra Records in 1985. They then released their second album, Jamboree, and in 1987 they would release their third album, 2x4, which is personally my favorite album. It featured a harder-hitting sound and greater diversity among the songs. It became the band's most successful album up to that time. It's listed as number 64 on Paste Magazine's The Best 80 Albums of the 1980s, wherein they called it a masterpiece. The track, Litany, Life Goes On, which I played at the beginning of the show for the introduction, became a minor alternative rock hit and remains one of the band's most well-known songs. Here it is for you now. Three tracks that I've selected. Trail of Tears, Watusi Rodeo, and Say Please from that 2x4 album. Here is Guadalcanal Diary. Sun hangs low in the western sky.
it only fitting to have a collaboration between two of the most influential bands out of Athens, R.E.M. and the B-52s. You have Michael Stipe singing with help from Kate Pearson of the B-52s in the song Shiny Happy People. Her voice really delivers a whole new layer to R.E.M.'s sound and gives it a boost. So here for you right now, a collaboration between the two most influential bands out of Athens, Shiny Happy People.
And now it's time for that last song of the evening, Crandall's Crucial Cut. It's a song that was the lead track off the Nerves 1976 EP, the group's only release. We featured this song in our Paisley Underground episode. It was later popularized by the new wave band Blondie when they released a cover of the song as the second single from their 1978 album, Parallel Lines, in both the U.S. and the U.K. It eventually reached number five in the U.K. in November of 1978. So join us next week on Behind the Orange Curtain as we explore some of the influential women of punk, new wave, and rock in the 1980s. Closing out our night, here is Debbie Harry and her band, Blondie, performing Hanging on the Telephone. And so until next week, good night and so long. Doug Crandall, every Thursday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time. What we do is if we need that extra push over the cliff, you know what we do? Uh, put it up to 11. 11, exactly. One louder. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. <laughs>